0: Hi, I'm Susan, and this is Diane, and this is When Autumn Comes. Look, life sometimes just looks different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for mamas and for people who love them, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into our eyes and explained our child's prognosis, or for the mamas who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that just aren't typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as colder temperatures and darker days begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change that it feels like four seasons in one day. We are here to let you share your story, let you laugh and let you cry, Let you learn and let you grow together with other mothers when autumn comes. If I started every single episode the same way, well, I take that back. If you count the intro, we kind of do, but we'll call this the sub intro. I could say y'all should be so excited to meet today's guest because she is amazing. And it would be true every single week. This week, you are meeting Elizabeth. She is actually one of Diane's real-life friends, and I was so excited to meet her. And I, I also say this every week, but I want to be her best friend, too. The really cool thing about this podcast, for me at least, is that our journeys are so different, yet so similar, yet so different. And you can always, well, at least I can, always find something that is comforting and relatable to my story and my journey. And it helps me remember that I'm not alone and that there's something so much bigger and better and glorious bringing us all together. So with that, I cannot wait for you guys to meet Elizabeth. We want to welcome Elizabeth
1: Lobby to our show today. She is just a gem of a human being, which also I have to say is no stranger to grief. She has lived it. She's lived a lot of it. Um, but today we are going to talk about her beautiful family. We're going to talk about her husband, her son Bodie, and her other son in heaven, Kyan. So welcome, Elizabeth.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's just amazing and <laughs> surreal to to be with you so I love it well I love it.
1: we're really excited I think you're going to bring a really unique perspective to this show today because we have spoken some have not been published yet but we have spoken to a lot of mothers that are in uh, very fresh stages of grief with the loss of their kids and tell us a little bit about Kyan first off in your oh. story
2: kyan was amazing so i got pregnant with kyan and it was very textbook pregnancy everything was textbook perfect i was 41 weeks pregnant and everything was great we my husband dustin and i were going to start our family and he was our first and i was terrified to have a boy but kind of got used to it and i was so excited and I went to, went into labor and that's kind of when everything started. And obviously you're supposed to start a life. And that's also when everything changed. And that is when I changed as a person. I, I no longer, I, there's Elizabeth pre-Kyan and Elizabeth post-Kyan. That's the line in the sand with me. So Kyan had severe complications at birth and we went into, um, his heart rate dropped when we were in, when I was in labor with him. I was in labor for several hours and his heart rate dropped. So he, we went into emergency C section and his, I, it was all such a blur, you guys. I don't, it was definitely the most traumatic event that has ever happened to me, but it was also the most, beautiful thing that ever happened to me all at one time. So I've said it once and I'll say it a million times, like my favorite quote ever is together at the same time without blending the two where I had experienced like the worst trauma, but the most beautiful thing came of it. So, but when Kyan was taken out of me um, during the emergency C-section, he was not breathing and did not have a heartbeat. So he was Pretty much, he was dead for the first 16 minutes of his life. He was taken right over to the OR right next to me. And he was, the team was trying to revive him.
0: Were you awake for all of this
2: or were you sedated? No, I was awake. So there's, I I was awake and I was in a really weird state. I mean, knowing, but not really knowing what was going on. Nobody really talked to me. And it wasn't a bad thing, like, yes, please take care of my child. And it was just tons of people all around in this OR. And there was one man that talked to me and it was that's a whole nother thing. But um It was the he man was, with a was
1: that the man with the tie? The man with the tie.
2: Okay, we'll so, circle around we'll circle back around oh to that. Oh my gosh, the man with the tie. He's amazing. So Cayenne wasn't breathing, didn't have a heartbeat for the first sixteen minutes of his life protocol is to stop resuscitating after 12 minutes. And the team kept going. And I, I don't know why. And I don't need to know why. But it was the biggest gift that I had because I then got time with my boy. He was immediately rushed to another hospital, Children's Hospital in Minneapolis. We love them. They are kind will forever live there. And we were able to have 36 days with him. He had severe brain damage. When he got to Children's Hospital, he was put on a cooling machine for 72 hours. I wasn't able to touch him. I wasn't able to hold him. I wasn't able to anything. And it was just to try to get his body temperature to cool and to see if there was any severe shock to his brain. I struggle with this because, I I don't know, you guys are such amazing medical moms. And the medical moms that you are, I'm just like in awe because this is the time where I completely as a mom shut down and anything medical that I needed, I needed to know and I needed to learn. I just shut down and I didn't want to hear it because it's, it was just, I was in such a form of shock and I didn't know what was going to happen. They were preparing me at children's. The doctors were preparing me for the potential worst of this is really, really bad. He might not survive this or, you know, his brain might come back and maybe we'll get something from it. And, but it's going to take time. So for those first 72 hours, he was on this cooling bed and then he had an MRI and that MRI, um, showed Little to no brainwave activity. So it kind of was the beginning of what we now know was what Kyan's prognosis would be and what his life would have been like. We were told that he couldn't feel like he he couldn't feel physical pain. Some would say that some doctors said that he might be deaf, he might be blind. They just didn't really know. And so then it was kind of making decisions on, you know, what the best treatment was for him and what to, how to move forward. What do we do? And knowing that, I mean, like there are a lot of things that medically they said, you know, yeah, he might be blind or he might be deaf. And I don't think he was because when I would walk into a, to his room, he would move his head and he would, his eyes would move. I also want to point out that If you see him, and I'll share pictures with you guys, he looks like the most perfect baby. And I think that's one of the hardest things. But also, I mean, people look at, hear about my story, and then I show them a picture of Kyan, and they're like, he just, he looks so, so like everything's fine. He There's nothing wrong with him. So it's hard. That part is hard because he was, I mean, he was full term and everything was great. Everything was just how it was supposed to be.
1: Well, can you speak to everybody looking at his picture and saying, wow, he looks really normal. He looks healthy. And he was in the NICU this whole time and you hardly had any visitors. So there was your and Dustin's perception and your journey With watching him go through, I mean, he had seizures, he was on a feeding tube, he, you know, had all these things hooked up to him and we're doing many tests a day. And then the outside world sees pictures. And is there any sort of bridge to that grief? Or do you feel like it's really hard for you to describe to outside people what that was like?
2: I think it was really hard. I mean, we were encouraged to, to do a caring bridge site while we were in the hospital um, because everybody, you know, of course wants to know what's going on. And I didn't really want to get it all up on Facebook and everything. Cause that's just a whole nother thing, but it was hard. And we shared so many pictures, but we didn't have a lot of people. There are so many people that never met Kyan and we didn't have a ton of people in, in his room with him, but the pictures that we would share, yeah, everybody was like, well, he looks just great. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. You guys. <sighs> And, and I think that's, it was hard because it gave, it gave me a false sense of hope, but it also gave me this, at times I was a little angry because I'm like, no, he is not fine. But he was, I mean, in, in my little world, in my little bubble, I, I made him fine. He was all right. I'll just sit here in my world of the NICU for forever then. This is it. I think
0: too, like I get that all the time. And obviously, my story is different from your story, but I still get, well, your kids just look so, so good. Like they look normal. Yeah. Like you said, it, it's kind of comforting to hear you say, like, in my bubble, he was normal and he was perfect and he is perfect. And in my bubble my kids are perfect and they are normal in our bubble but for people who are listening that do not have special needs kids or are going through crap something that seems simple to say but they look normal is kind of hurtful Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i know it's meant with kindness but it's also kind of it daggers at your heart a little bit right yeah.
1: Right. So you got 36 days to just love up on that sweet boy. Obviously, we know that you were probably on a roller coaster of emotions or <laughs> completely numb or not. So I don't want to make that sound like it's lighthearted, that it was like a f- blissful 36 days. But Kyan went to heaven.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And was there a turning point? In those thirty-six days, where you went from, we'll see how this goes. To okay, we know he's not leaving this hospital.
2: It's actually really interesting. Um, we we always talked about, you know, that perfect leaving the hospital situation, and you're holding the car seat, and you see these people leaving the hospital with their baby, and they're holding the little car seat carrier, and like, that's it. We could have taken Kyan home and just kind of seen what happened. There was a point of about, um, I'll say maybe after the 72 hours and us getting the diagnosis of that he was basically brain dead, that there was a turning point probably about five to 10 days after that, that it was like, we're not going to leave. We made the conscious choice that he, we didn't want to create a sense of fake happiness. He wasn't going to make it and he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to have, he wasn't going to have a normal life. He wasn't going to have an abnormal life. It just, it wasn't fair to us and it wasn't fair to him to create this sense of fake happiness and bring him home. And yeah, this is our life. And I also really, really wanted to make sure that he was staying in this incredible bubble that we had created of these nurses and these doctors everything was just just as we needed it to be because i could not emotionally handle anything different at that point it was too much knowing and waiting for my son to die a lot of people would be like well yeah go home i i couldn't because what do you do then when your child you go in and your child's not breathing knowing that you've been waiting for him to die the first thing that you want to do is call 911 or something to have somebody come and resuscitate my child. He's not breathing. And I I couldn't have emotionally handled that. So we made the choice to stay in the hospital and not have that fake happiness, I guess, for us is what we called it. Mm -hmm. So we had 36 days of making incredible memories. There were highs and there were lows, and there were things that the hospital staff did for us that was unique that we wanted to do with him. It was kind of like a bucket list of how do we crush these things into the time that we have? One of them was, my husband is a big golfer, and he wanted to watch golf with Kyan on his lap. And so they wheeled in a TV into the Nikki room, they figured it out. And there's a picture of those two just watching golf. And Dustin is telling Kyan everything about like, Oh, there you go. That's, that's tiger woods. He's, he's gone through some things, but you know, that's tiger woods. <laughs> <laughs> and I, another thing was like, when I found out I was having a boy, I had a really hard time with it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I came from sisters. Like I, I know girls, And I was like, it's going to be really, really cool to have a boy because boys always love their moms. They love their moms no matter what, even when they're 15 years old, they're going to love their mom. And will you tell Caleb that? Yeah, I will. I will (laughs) tell Caleb that you love your mama. (laughs) But I was like, he's going to dance with me at weddings. We're going to go to weddings and he is going to dance with his mom. And I don't care. He's might hate it, but I'm like, you're going to love your mama, and you're going to dance with me at weddings. And we did it. We did it in the NICU room. It wasn't a wedding. It was in a NICU room. And we danced, him and I. And we have our song. And what is it, it was Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And it's beautiful. And I don't know. I still think it kind of brings a little bit of a tear to my husband's eye, even, who is as we talked to dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> but we danced and we were able to take Kyan outside on the grass, on the lawn in front of the hospital so he could feel the sunshine on his face and feel what grass felt like. And we took him for walks around the hospital. So there were just different things that we wanted to do with him. And again, not every day was great. There were days that we just... I laid there with him and he cuddled and I, I cried, but um, we did what we could in that time. And then the last day that we had with him, we knew that it was getting close. The last night we had with him, we decided that we wanted to go out on the front lawn of the hospital and we wanted to look at the stars because that was one thing that we hadn't done yet. And we put it out on our caring bridge and everybody go look at the stars. We are all under the same sky. We're all looking at stars together. And it was amazing. It was such a special night because there were so many people that have never met him, but felt so incredibly connected to him. And now looking at the stars for me is my connection to Kyan. There was a bit of a I don't know, conversation about the Big Dipper versus the Little Dipper (laughs) between my husband and I. And we were trying to tell Kyan, I'm just going to tell you I was right. (laughs) Uh, But then Kyan passed away a couple of hours after we got in from looking at the stars that night. And he passed away in my arms. And it was awful, awful. But it was beautiful because he came into this world into such a hard, traumatic time where his mom was not with it. And I I didn't get to see him right away when he came into this world. But when he left this world, he took his last breath and I felt it. And I felt his last breath while holding him and holding him so so tight and knowing that I was letting go. I was letting go of my first boy that came into this world with no sin. And he left this world with no sin. He was the purest form of anything that, I don't know, one could ever think of and He's, he's amazing. Sorry. We just need to collect ourselves for a second
1: because I mean, that is just, I've, I've personally heard this story hundreds of times, but it is just like, it is so beautiful. And I find it so hopeful. We say it all the time that like adversity is so hard and it's so painful to watch people go through but to hear you go through it and still just find the immense grounding and beauty that comes with it is just brings so much joy. And I hope that people feel the same. I hope this is brings so much hope to people.
0: I'm sitting here with my daughters turning five in two weeks. And it's bittersweet for me because science says two to five years. And to Hear you just talk about the bucket list, which I'm so pro bucket list. I am bucket list every day. This girl has sold over 450 Girl Scout cookies in a week because we are so bucket list, yes. and and she became a Girl Scout like 24 hours prior. So she's kind of kicking the bucket list butt. But turning five is a big deal for us. And when Laurel I was born, she was swooped away from me, and I didn't hold her for like nine days. And just to hear you talk about how he entered and how he left. And I can just, I just hope that our situation is the same and that we can look at the stars and we can come out on the other side and remember the joy and remember, you know, it can be a shit show some days. And then you look at the stars that night, and you know that it'll be okay the next day, no matter what happens. I don't care what the listeners think. Your story has already given me hope. Forget the mm. listeners
2: right now. I'm just sitting here with <laughs> <like> tears <laughs> in my eyes, I—I <laughs> I mean, it. Not every day was perfect, and it, it, not every day as a in the NICU.
0: To be fair, as a mom who has done the NICU twice for a lot of days, the NICU. Is so incredibly hard, and we can talk about that on another day. Oh, but God. the NICU alone is a hurricane. The NICU is not—I mean—and I love your story, but we just made the
2: NICU sound like a joy, yeah. <laughs> like dancing and <laughs> golf. There were times where I, we referred to it like, and told the nurses and social workers whoever would come in, like, "You're going to need to make this room padded pretty soon," like, because one, we're not leaving, and two, like we're going to go a little crazy in here. There's nothing. And it's, I mean, we did what we could of trying to, you know, bringing in lamps and making it like just a little bit more of a homey environment, but oh my gosh, the NICU stuff. tough.
1: You know what? I really love to hear about this because I've never experienced a NICU is, I don't know if we have told everybody, but you're seven years out from this. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm ever going to lose my child. And to everyone out there that, May or may not. I mean, likely all of us mothers are going to lose a child at some point, whether it's before we pass or after we pass. However, I know that I am in a place where I focus on a lot of the fear I have of, can I deal? Can I handle it? Will I be able to find joy? You know, right now I feel a lot of trauma and I feel like there's a lot of people that might feel something similar. And I find it so hopeful. Like you experienced immense trauma. There's no doubt about it and here you are speaking seven years later, not that you have forgotten about that trauma or you don't have triggers of that trauma, but that what remains in front of you is the joy and just the pure love that you had for your boy. I don't know right now if I can talk about Sela as this is what brings me so much joy as opposed to this is the story that's in front of us and it's really damn hard.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: I hope, and I'm going to strive after hearing you speak, to try and focus on that because I don't know is that what you got you through I mean I want to touch on the funeral for people that are petrified of ever having to go through a funeral with their child and how the hell did you even make it through that
2: oh his funeral I mean I I will give a shout out to I mean help asking for help and my mother she's gonna love hearing this I mean (laughs) Shout out to my mother. She did amazing. Like in kind of in the days before Kyan had even passed away, and this would be so hard for a grandparent to do, but starting to look for a funeral home and kind of bringing that back to us. We were just planning a small, you know, funeral. There were probably a handful of people that met Kyan in person. And we had over on his funeral, over a hundred people. It was, the place was packed for his funeral. And I, I remember driving to the funeral home with Dustin and I, I made him turn around. He had to turn around because I had to go and get anxiety medication because I forgot it. I think that that's something that, uh, to fully allow yourself to do, because I don't know how, I mean, I was, I was a mess. There are things that I remember about his funeral. Um, there are the important things that I remember about his funeral, but, um, planning a funeral, having a funeral for your child is incredibly, incredibly hard. And the days after the funeral are, are just as hard. There's, I, I, I was dead inside. I was dead inside. I wasn't dead on the outside, but I might as well have been. There were several, several days that I didn't get out of bed maybe a couple months. So (laughs) Juliet's mom, I don't know how the heck she, I have to give that woman some mad props because wow, like how are you going right now? And it's, I just, grief is so personal for every single person. And it's just, it's, it's a journey. It is such a journey.
1: We can cut this out if you want, but you took Kyan. On trips
2: with you to Target, right? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I did. I mean, I took Kyan all over with me for, like, that first year after he died.
0: Can we, we, like, clarify?
2: Did you, like, get him, like, like a cat up
0: on your shelf? Or, okay.
2: (laughs) 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 Was he sad? (laughs) That would be hilarious. (laughs) Oh, hey. Here's my... Cat slash <laughs> so Kyan was cremated, and he I didn't, I, I, we didn't know what we wanted to do with him, and so he was just in a small little urn very small, very I mean, he's a baby, so yeah, there was a lot of times where okay, hun, I'm going to Target right now, that's what you do, you take your kid to Target with you, and granted, he was in my purse, but <laughs> he. He came to Target with me. And that first Christmas or that first Thanksgiving, yeah, I'm bringing him. He's, he's gonna come with because why would I not bring my child? And I, I have to give again, mad props to my family because they dealt with me and my weirdness. But I don't know. I also need to allow myself that I, you yes. need to do whatever gets you through the scariest time and the most depressing time of your life. If you were to ask a room for, full of world leaders, what is the scariest? What's your biggest fear in life? And if you were to say losing a child, if you didn't get every one of those world leaders to raise their hand, then they're lying to themselves. Absolutely. And so it's it's scary. And it's something that nobody wants to have happen. So I think at whatever stage of grief you're going through, there doesn't have to be, well, this is weird. I'm bringing my dead son to Target with me. I mean. And the only reason
1: I brought that up was because I remember you feeling uncomfortable about it. And I was feeling like you do what you need to do. I mean, yeah, I get to bring my kids to Target. And here you are having to take back baby gifts and go to Babies R Us and go to Target.
0: And I was actually going to ask, when you were at Target, did you avoid the baby section? Like, how did you – because I still sometimes am like, I can't go there because we spent time in the NICU and we – like, I avoid sections like that. And when Lorelai was in the NICU, I saw a little girl – Throwing a temper tantrum in Target, and I lost it because I was like, "I'm never gonna have a temper tantrum in Target." Right?
2: right. I, um, we were able to return baby gifts, tons and tons of baby gifts, so that was amazing. We had gift cards for days and saved them for you know if we ever got pregnant again or whatnot. But yeah, it was really hard, and that whole baby section was extremely difficult to walk past um yeah seeing a a pampers commercial was extremely difficult it was extremely difficult to be around babies for a really really long time and then for even longer it was difficult to be around children that were around kyan's age Mm -hmm. and i've i've grown a lot from that i've you know Done a lot from that. But Diane, I mean, Diane even knows like Nora, you know, is not they would have been six weeks. No No. six weeks. Yeah, they were
1: they were close in age.
2: Yeah. So it's just it was hard. I mean, like, and it's hard as a friend because you're like, I wanna I wanna hear about your child, but at the same time I it's painful. it's super painful and it's it's super hard.
0: You're speaking what my heart says every day. And I'm going to, again, your story is so relatable beyond the loss of your son because I want to connect with my friends who have kids that are typical and doing typical things. And I want to ask them, how was preschool? But I'm never going to have that. And it hurts. But you want to connect with your friends, but you also have to protect your own heart. Right.
2: And you, you don't want to seem insensitive to your friends because your friends might, I mean, they don't fully understand that piece and they might say like, oh yeah, I get it. But you really want to ask. But there is also a point then now where I look at Nora even, and I'm like, she brings just, I think about what her and what her and Kyan would be up to those two little nuggets would just be, I don't know. We would have an arranged marriage. They would Um, be hellions together. They would be hellions together. But, and so there's that, but then, yeah, there is this little piece still that's just, and sometimes it's a bigger piece that's, yeah, this is hard. This hurts. When I got, you know, kindergarten enrollment information from our city for Kyan.
0: We're going to take a quick pause. Hey, are you a medical or special needs mom? Yeah. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. We have a club called the 4am mom club. It's a bunch of us moms. We get together. We, I don't know. We, We talk about life and kids and we have some really cool professionals who have kind of come in and we have a fascia fix and we have a home organizer and we have all these cool people who are coming to love on mamas like us. So join the club. If you go to www.4am-mom-club.com, you can get more information and join us. There's actually a video of Diane and I talking. So if you want to see our faces, you could go there and watch. See you there. So,
1: I want to focus on the word still. You're seven years out and grief doesn't go away. I want to talk about, was it gradual? Was it a flip of a switch? When did you find yourself getting out of bed or going through a day without crying? I mean, what got you to where you
2: are now? I'll say, I mean, there are points where I think it was very gradual. Getting out of bed was gradual crying every day was gradual being completely dead inside was a gradual thing my husband grieved much differently than I did and so he was after a while he went to work and I was not going to work so he would kiss me goodbye before he left for work and I would be in bed and he would remind me your only thing that you have to do today is don't kill yourself and he's like anything else it doesn't matter. You can still be in this exact same spot. You don't have to pretend and get into clothes. Just don't kill yourself. And that was a real thing for us because I was I was lost. I was done. But slowly, I mean, I moved from the bed to the couch to Target with my Child in my purse. <laughs> I think one of the biggest things was allowing myself the space to when people would reach out and, Hey, can I come over? Or, Hey, I want to see you or, and some people would and some people wouldn't. Most people didn't because they didn't know what, what the heck do you say to a girl like me at that point? But it was allowing myself. Yeah, we can make these plans, but. I might cancel five seconds as you're pulling up into the driveway because I just can't deal. And that happened more often than not. But then I also had the opportunity to talk to a medium. And this is not for everybody. I fully understand that. But that was my biggest flip of the switch of just learning And talking to a medium and learning about Kayan and Cayenne's soul and why he came to this world and why he left. Those stages of grief are so hard. And I remember at points the anger stage. And I would be very angry at him for leaving. Why did you leave? Why didn't you fight harder? Why didn't you let me know that you couldn't breathe when you were inside me? And talking to this medium was so incredibly healing because I heard that he wanted to come to this world and feel what it was like to feel nothing but love and leave feeling nothing but love. And he did. And he still does every, every day. Like that child, he had nothing but love.
1: How do you find your grief comes about now? How often, how intense? Is it lonelier? Because it's been seven years, right? Like you're good, Elizabeth, right?
2: yeah you know what it it's hard it is hard because the grief is is not as intense, obviously, like I'm able to carry on about my day. I still you know go in and I kiss my living son before he goes to bed every night before I go to bed, I should say every night and just kind of tuck him in and give him a kiss, and then, as I walk down the hallway to our bedroom there's kyan's picture and i kiss that picture every single night and that's every night for years will it ever stop no because you kiss your kids before bed before they before you go to bed you just go in and give them a little snuggle and kiss them it's hard because i think sometimes i ask myself can i still be sad am i still allowed to be sad Am I still allowed to be grieving? I'm not grieving every day, but there are certain trigger times that, yeah, are still really hard for me. And then there are certain times where I just, it's just a tough day and it's just kind of a Kyan day. I
0: have a question. Yeah. Being seven years out, if Kyan had survived, he probably would have had significant special needs. Yes. Do seeing
2: special needs kids. Is that any sort of trigger for you? You know what? It isn't. Um, It isn't because he, the things that he was able to do when I did see him, I mean, he was, again, as we talked at the beginning, he was, he looks, everything was so normal and granted you're an infant. So you're not like walking around or, you know, anything, but it really isn't just because we didn't go down, I guess, the path. And so my mind never went that far. I know that, yeah, he would have had special needs, but I just, my mind never went that far in planning. You know, I also thought, yeah, he's going to be a golfer, but.
0: So when you think about comparing, I hate comparing, but when you think think about where Nora is, And you think about how they'd be up to shenanigans and everything else. Do you think about him as a typical kid? Or
2: do you think about him as a special needs kid? I think about him as a typical kid. I do because I think I had so much time of him. Just everything in my pregnancy was so normal. And everything, I mean, minus that whole crazy NICU stay. I mean, he was such Mm -hmm. a... In my head, he was just, I mean, totally using air quotes, as you guys can see. He was a normal kid in my head. But so, yeah, I either think of him as just like a totally typical kid or he's still a baby. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: If he was still here, he's still just a baby and loves his mom. (laughs) 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 Still loving up on his mom.
1: Okay. I have to ask really quickly one last thing before we wrap
0: up. Wait, um, I have something real quick. Yeah, yeah. If we want to, we could turn this. In. I have so many questions for you. We could easily turn this into a two-part episode. But I mean, right. I have I still have questions of like, how did you navigate having a second child? Was there trauma associated with and for the love of all good stories, who is the man with the tie? You didn't even tell us. I mean, I have so many questions. So if you're okay with coming back a second time, can we please?
2: Yes.
0: So with that, we are going to take a quick pause. And by quick pause, I mean seven days. Come back next Wednesday at 4 a.m. And Elizabeth will be here sharing the rest of her story. Diane, do you have anything else to say? Please hold. (laughs) Catch you guys next week.